We, we are going to finish a series that we started a few weeks ago called Deep Cuts. It's, we're going to finish it off today. I'm actually going to revisit it in a few months. I'm researching doing stuff with the prophets in the Old Testament. But, I mean, can we all agree this is a big book, right? <laughs> There's a lot in this book. And even like this right here, this would be the Old Testament because Deep Cuts, this series has been all about the Old Testament. So basically everything from here this way, that's the Old Testament. A lot, that's a lot of this big book. And within this big book are some deep cuts, some stories that we maybe didn't learn in Sunday school, that even if you've grown up in church, maybe you weren't aware of those stories or maybe the details of that stories. But when we get into the details, when we get into the deep cuts, man, there's a lot of great stuff in the deep cuts. You know, we've talked about the greatest hits. The Davids, the Moses, the Abrahams, those are the greatest hits of the Old Testament. And we've, we've been diving into um, the, the Abigails. We've been diving into the Hagars. And today we're going to dive into a story. We're like going to dive into like a deep cut of a deep cut of a story. Like it's, it's set within the, the context of Elisha. But Eli- like it's not actually about Elisha. It's about characters. We don't even know their names. And there's a little bit of an insight. And what I'm excited for today, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you where I'm going with this story, but it's very, very Colorado Life Church. It's very, very CLC. It really kind of, in essence, captures why we exist as a church. Let's see if you can catch it. This is in 2 Kings chapter 7. And you're going to need your Bible. Um, if you don't have one, open your phone. Um, there's one back there on the sound booth. 2 Kings chapter 7. Somebody shout out the page number when you get there. Um, is where our story is found. Come again? 170. 170 in, the, in, the, in the church Bibles there. Here's the background to this story because we're going to need a little bit of context so how many of you remember studying in ancient history the idea of the, the battle tactic of a siege where there's a, a, an army would surround a city, and, which is a city usually had these walls, these big walls that, that kept people out, that closed the gates at night kind of thing. And those were very hard to take down. You could be, it could be a small city and a large army and, and you could expend a lot in a lot of the army's energy. You could lose a lot of, of soldiers trying to take a walled city. So a, a tactic in the, in the ancient world was to, to surround the city and cut off anything coming in or out of the city and kind of starve it to death. And it was kind of this inexpensive way to kill a bunch of people inside or to, to, to get them to surrender without much bloodshed. It was horrible. It was like when, when, when you were inside the city, I mean, it'd be terrifying. You're just literally starving to death. That's what's happening in a city called Samaria here. And it's, it's one of the Israelite city, one of the Jewish cities in, in you know, where modern day Israel would be. There, there's this wall city, and the, the, the Arameans, who were the enemy of the, the Jews at the time, so this would be like 800 BC, 800 centuries before Christ, somewhere in there. And they're literally, the, the Arameans went and surrounded the city because they, they want the stuff inside. They, they want as much as the stuff without as much of a fight as they can get. 
So they surround the city, and it, the siege has been going on for a little bit to the point where it, it records things in here. Like, and, and you go back and read some of this. Some of it is gnarly, like what is going on inside of the city. But like one of the details that we notice that, that is told to us is a donkey's head, which is funny. A donkey's head sells for like thousands of tens of thousands of dollars, like an, an insane amount of, of money because like there's that's food. Ugh. Right. So money is like money is useless because you can't eat money. And a donkey's head is selling for ridiculous amounts of money. That's the context of what's happening for our story today. <clears throat> I don't want to talk about the prophet Elisha who is inside that city. There was a king inside that city. I don't want to talk about them. I want to talk about four gentlemen who were locked outside the city. Four people who... who um, it's odd because, you know, it's a siege, you know, like it's safer inside the city because there's an army outside and there's four gentlemen who are actually not inside the city. They're outside the city. And the reason they're outside the city is because they were lepers. They were men that had leprosy, which is like, I don't know if you know what leprosy is. It's a skin condition. Um, it's a very slow moving bacteria. And what's crazy is, is, um, I grew up hearing about leprosies, leprosies a lot in the Bible, and I grew up hearing about it like, you know, leprosy, this person had leprosy, Jesus healed someone who had leprosy, all, you know, in, in that your skin like flakes off, it takes a while for the bacteria to kind of grow, but it, it's, it's fatal, it'll kill you eventually, and it's long and it's painful, and it's visible, it's a sickness that you can see, and so when people got it in, in, in the ancient world, You'd be shunned. You'd be kicked out. You'd be kicked out of a city, even if it's being sieged. And you know what's interesting is um, leprosy is still around. It's called Hansen's disease. Um, it's treatable with penicillin, with antibiotics, and they're working on some vaccines, and some vaccines have been working. But we've had in the United States, this is just kind of like side trivia, because I was geeking out about this this week. We've had, uh, there was, a, there was a, facility, a leprosy facility in Baton Rouge that just closed down in like the 60s. Um, there's, there's still a leper colony to this day in uh, the island of Molokai in Hawaii. And the people, the people there are cured of, of leprosy, but, and they're now in their 80s or 90s. There's just a handful of them left. And they were actually ripped from their families 80 or 90 years ago when they were small children. And they, they grew up in this, this leper colony. And to the point where then all of a sudden there's this cure for it. That they got treated with penicillin and they're fine now. But they have, they're like, but we don't have a home. This is our home. Isn't that interesting? So that's like going on today. You think of leprosy as something old, but it is still around. And there's actually still cases in the United States from armadillos, actually. I'm going to stop talking about <laughs> leprosy because that's not what we're talking about today. Um, four lepers outside the city gates. And, and what we're going to find as we pick up on the story today is they don't have very many good options in front of them. Let's read. This is 2 Kings 7, verse 3. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the, gate of the, or the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, hey, let's weigh our options here. Why stay here until we die? 
Okay, so if we stay here, you know, if, if food is scarce inside the city walls, food is very scarce outside the city walls. Why stay here until we die? If we say we will go into, uh, into the city, the famine is there and we will what? Die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. Who knows? Maybe they want four lepers around. You know? <laughs> Maybe there's, you know, if they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. <laughs> Three not great options that, you know, very well could lead to death. But desperate situations call for desperate measures sometimes. So they decide at dusk, verse 5, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. Now, now keep in mind, this is a siege. The whole, the, the whole, the crux or the, the strategy is to keep this presence around the city, to, to put pressure on the city, to be like omnipresent around the city. You can't go anywhere. They get to the camp and there's no one there. And we find out why in verse six, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sounds of chariots and horses and a great army so that they said to another, oh no, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites, which was their enemy, and the Egyptian kings, which was another one of their enemies, to attack us, which was not true at all. That actually, like, the Israelites, they had not done that. They had not reached out to the Hittites or the Egyptians. They had not hired them. But that's what they thought. Because the Lord had caused this, this sound, <laughs> we don't know, some sort of wind. But during the night, the, there's like this, this, this mass chaotic panic of like, every man for himself, get out of here, we're going to die. So they got up and fled, verse 7, in the dusk. And abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Like, so, so here's these lepers. They're walking in. Hello? <laughs> and there's a fire over here. There's, there's a cup of steaming coffee right there. You know, like just everything's time capsuled as it is. It's a, there's no Arameans. The men, verse 8, who had leprosy, reached the edge of camp, entered one of the tents. And there's food. <laughs> they ate and they drank. And then, uh, where am I? Then they look and there's, there's like, hey, there's silver. <laughs> there's clothes. And they went off and hid them. They're like, this is sweet. Let's go, 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 quick, quick, quick. And they came back and there's still nobody there. So they did it again. Um, they entered in another tent and took some other things from it. And, and they, they took, they hid those as well. I mean, you can picture this scenario, you know, like it's the classic scenario of like, <laughs> you know, they like found this treasure chest, like, <laughs> you know, like putting crowns on and wearing like jewels and like, let's go, 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 you know, eating food, you know, dr snacking on a drumstick as they're running because they're starving, <laughs> right? It's almost comical. And then something happens. Verse nine, then they said to each other, and what they're about to say is, is pretty obvious to us. As outsiders looking in, if this, if this is a story that's going to have a happy ending, 
It can't end with these four lepers living happily ever after and everybody inside the walls die, right? Like, that's pretty obvious to us. Like, like yes, it, good for you. I, you know, we're, we're rooting for the underdog. It's great that the lepers got a break in life. They got all this stuff they got to eat. But we know, we know as outsiders looking into the story, we know that they need to do something. It can't just stay like this. And that's what's about to happen. Then they said to each other, verse 9, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of, and everybody say this, good news. Say that. Good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. They got this kind of like this religious conscience, this godly sense of like, no, people are literally dying just over there. We have the stuff that will make it, we'll, we could save them. And if we don't act quickly, you know, not just do something, but do it now. If we wait till daylight, remember they came at dusk. <laughs> so they have had a night of revelry <laughs> of just eating and drinking. And, and, and maybe as, the, you know, like the alcohol was wearing off a little bit, they started to think clearly like, you know, boys, you know what we need to do, right? Like what we're doing is not right. We can't just sit here and enjoy all of this ourselves. And if we don't act quickly, we wait until daylight. Punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. And I'll just kind of summarize what happens next. Honestly, this is a story that's worth going back and reading, you know, the before and the after of what we read today, because it's just a good story. They go to the, the gates and they say to the gatekeeper, um, yeah, the Arameans are gone and they left all their stuff. And naturally, nobody believes him. The king's like, the king's like, that's a lie, you know, or that's a, tr- it's a trap. It's it's the Arameans. They they they're baiting us out in the open, which is honestly like, this is a, this is a game of trickery, right? It's a game of chess. It's a game of how long can you last, and if we can, you know, speed things up on on our end, let's 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 play a little. We we they got everybody's got spare time, right? <laughs> in this scenario, so that could have been the case, but the king doesn't believe him. Finally, someone convinces the king, hey, listen, if this is true, it's kind of a good thing. Let's check it out. Let's send the few horse men and few horses we have left out and go check the Aramean camp. And that's what they do. And that's what they find is all the plunder from the Arameans. And the Lord saves them from this imminent death. And it's this glorious day. That's our deep cut for today. What we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. Here's the parallel. Because I don't suspect any of us are going to be in a siege anytime soon, Lord willing, you know, or, or, or even face leprosy, right? If you are a Christian, if you've experienced the goodness that comes from having faith in Jesus Christ, the community that follows, the idea that you can, you don't have to hang on to your sins and the things that, you, that, that, that you've done in the past and maybe nobody else knows of. Maybe you've even experienced as a Christian, you've brought those out into the light and you were loved and accepted and forgiven for those things and that was a good day. Maybe you've even 
had times where you've opened this book and you got into the deep cuts and you read something that was thousands of years old and it, you felt like it was speaking to you, written to you, and you know it's not, but it feels that way. It's so good and it's so personal, right? Maybe if, if you're a believer, um, Maybe, maybe you're one of those stories where you spent the majority of your life resisting God, being impartial to him, maybe just even being impartial, or maybe straight up rebellious to him, or at least you had a period where you were just like this to God, and you just walked away, and then all of a sudden you came back and you found that there was love and mercy back with him, you know? Maybe you've sang songs like we sing here in church and, and maybe sang them for years and years and then also one day it's like that song, that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. Maybe you've had a moment in worship, a song on the radio where it's just like, oh my goodness, that's my story. I was blind, but now I see. We'll never face leprosy. But if your faith is strong and real, and, and, and if you've grown in your faith, you've come to realize, I was once a leper. I was once pitied. I was once, I was once lost. And now because of the grace in Jesus Christ, I am found. And once we come to that conclusion, if that's your story, we have a choice. You're kind of at a crossroads at that point. Obviously, like, like if you're in that point, you're going to continue to live in that grace. You're going to continue to chase community. You're going to come to church. You're going to enjoy the spoils <laughs> of being in Christ. The next question is, will you tell others about it? Will you change your life in such a way that you live your life, you use your resources, your influence, not just to enjoy what God has given you, but you bring others into that same saving knowledge that you've experienced yourself. It's kind of a natural progression within faith. It really is because as you get closer and, and and we define spiritual maturity around here, not based on how much do you know this Bible, not how much do you, you know, like, like what can you tell us about theology or, um, you know, what, how, how many songs do you know or is Caleb on all five of your presets on your car or something crazy like that. That's not spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity for us is do you love Jesus more than you did last year? You know, do, 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 you, do you love, are you better at loving the people around you, your family, your friends, your coworkers? Are you better at that this year than you were last year? And if the answer is yes, or like, yes, but just barely, okay, you're maturing. <laughs> and that's spiritual maturity. And the thing is, the more you read this, the more you come to church, the more you, you, you dive into the things that God has for us, and the more you mature in him, the more you become like him. And the things that break his heart start to break yours as well. And here's where I want to divert today from our, our deep cut story. That's about all we're going to talk about with that story. And I, it, normally what we've been doing is just focusing deeper in and in and into the story. Now I actually want to focus way out as we close the series, Deep Cuts. 
Because right when I started this series, I was like, I want to talk about this because what we find in the deep cuts is you find the heart of God in the deep cuts. And, and here's our big idea for today, guys, once you put that up on the screen, that God has a heart for the outsider. This is my one and only slide for today. God has a heart for the outsider. If you look at the deep cuts of the Old Testament, the Jethro's, the Melchizedek's, the Job's, and you might not even know what those stories are. Let me tell you quick about those stories. Those are stories about men and family groups that were outside of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Israel. They were people like, you read them like, where did they come from? <laughs> where did this story, and these are, you know, Job, Melchizedek, Jethro all had really strong faith. They were, they were men that were chasing after the heart of God somehow, even though they weren't, they weren't Jewish. And you see that in the, the deep cuts of the Old Testament. And, and what can we conclude? We can conclude that God has a heart for the outsiders. That God is always at work in his world outside of walls like this. Churches. He's working outside the walls of the temple in the Old Testament. God, why? Because God loves his people. And he has a heart for the outsider. There, there's other examples, like Rahab's and Ruth's. Those are deep cuts as well. Women in the Bible. Ruth, Ruth was, was a Moabitess. She was not Jewish, but she married into, the, into to Israel. And, and, and you can see her zeal, that she wants to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And so she marries Boaz. And, and what's interesting about both Ruth and then Rahab's the other one. Rahab is a prostitute from Jericho, not a Jewish Hebrew. And she's like, hey, I've heard what God has done. I've seen it. I want in. And God does not say, no, you're a prostitute. No, you're not Jewish. He says, no, bring her in. And what's so interesting, and you've heard me say this a few months ago about Rahab, but Ruth as well. You look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And, and what you find is a bunch of men, because almost all genealogies from the ancient world were, and so-and-so had so-and-so. This man had this son, and this son had another son. And within, infused into these genealogies, into the, the, the birth, the, the, the lineage of Jesus Christ is a prostitute and a Moabitess who said, we want in. And God let him in. Why? Because God loves, has a heart for outsiders. Now, Here's, here's, not only does God have a heart for outsiders, he has place in, he has room in his story for the outsider. They're part of the genealogy. We know who they are in God's story because they're in God's story. Not only does God have a heart, everybody needs to hear this. Not only, and here's why you need to hear this, because all of us have felt like an outsider. Some of you feel like an outsider now. You're not sure what your relationship with is with God, church, religion, the whole thing. And, and you, there, all of us have, dude, every single one of us have gone to church and felt like an outsider. We have. I don't care if you grew up in church. It's funny, we, when we were starting the church, when we were starting CLC, we had a, a group of 10 of us called the launch team. And for that year, we went to different churches just to see, you know, like just, to, and then we went out to lunch and talked about it a bunch. I went to a church, and I won't share where it was or what it was or, the, like, the details of it, but, like, it was a different kind of church that I was accustomed to. 
and I wanted to leave. I grew up in the church. I'm a pastor, and I'm at church, and I'm like, ah, I think we should go. And God's like, no, 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 Josh, 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 pause. And I'm like, I need to stay and take this in. <laughs> because we wanted to create a church that outsiders could come inside and, and to the best of our abilities could feel like they could be a part of us. And, 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 and every single one of us, it, part of going to church, I, I mean, I know stories. We ran into a story in starting our church of a woman who um, grew up Jewish, had like Jesus showed up in her life, like had like this vision of Jesus. Like, cause, why? Because God has a heart for the outsiders. And she, like, like so, you know, that's how he showed up in her life. And she's like, I need to go to church. She went to a, concert, a Christmas concert at this church down in Denver. It's the only church that she knew, like, obviously not the only one she knew of, but she was the one she was the most familiar with. And she wasn't very familiar with it at all. She's sitting in the parking lot, parked at church, hands white clenched to the steering wheel. Like, am I going to do this? Why? Because she was an outsider. And she's going to look inside, but it was, it's nerve-wracking. We, you felt that. Maybe you're feeling that now. You're not quite sure where you stand. And you, I'm here to tell you, God has a heart for you, the outsider. Not only does he have a heart for you, he has a place for you in his story. That is so important to recognize and realize. And the Old Testament, guys, this is my point. The deep cuts of the Old Testament from Genesis till Malachi, to from, from the beginning to the end, has all of these names of people who are not supposed to be there and God brings them in. The Naamans, who was, uh, was an enemy of Israel and had leprosy. I almost preached on this this morning had leprosy, and, and he had taken, and catch this, he had taken an Israelite girl as a slave. He, like, in a war transfer, got this Israelite girl. He has, he has uh, leprosy, and the Israelite girl is faithful enough to say, you should go see a prophet in, of, of my God, because you could be healed. And he does, and he's accepted. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, you read about him, the, the, the Babylonian who destroyed the temple, okay? Like went into it and said, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that. And brought it home to his own God, like his own museum of gods. Like if there's anyone who should be damned, okay? Like in the Old Testament, you don't do that. If you've read the book of Daniel, what happens to Nebuchadnezzar? He has a God encounter, and I think that someday we'll see him in heaven. He has a legit experience. Why? Because God loves the outsider. He has a heart for the Nebuchadnezzars. Last one, and then, I, and then we'll move to, I want to move to Jesus. The Ninevites. Remember Jonah and the belly of the whale? And if you, if, you, if you studied that in Sunday school, like he was, you know, swallowed by, God calls him to go preach to the Ninevites, which when you were a kid, you're like, yeah, I preached to the Ninevites. That is like, he, Jonah had good reason to push back on God and say, no, I don't want to do that. You, I signed up for this to be a prophet to what? To my people, to the Israelites. Those are the people I care about. He's like, no, I want you to travel a thousand miles to modern day, like what would be Iraq. 
and preach to this godless nation. And he's like, no. And he goes the other way. And there's this really like, like you read the story and it's kind of like, you know, like in your yard when you pick up like a, a log that's mostly rotten and underneath it's like creepy crawly squirmy wormies. There's a point in the book of Jonah that you probably don't remember. This is a deep cut right here. You don't remember it from Sunday school, but there's a point where we finally realize that Jonah isn't afraid of the Ninevites. He's not afraid he's going to be killed. What he's afraid, why he's running from this calling to minister to the Ninevites is because he knows that God will be gracious to them. And he doesn't like that. Why? Because God has a heart for the outsider. And the end of Jonah, spoiler alert, is a whole bunch of Ninevites are like, we repent. We, we turn from our wicked ways. And they're happy. And Jonah is still outside the city while a revival's going on inside the Ninevite city. He's outside the city going, hmm. <laughs> and it just ends that way. And God's like, should I not care for them? The end. Because God has a heart for the outsider. It is all over this book. It's all over the Old Testament from start to finish. And then you get to the New Testament. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, very much carries that theme. Right? We see him immediately drawn to the outsider, drawn to those who are marginalized, railing against the religious leaders who have ostracized them, who have created systems that have excluded them from worship, excluded them from encountering God Almighty. He hates, he's like, woe to you, Pharisees, for you've tithed your, your mint and your thyme and your dill. You tithe your herbs and bring that to the temple because you're so holy. And then on the, on the flip side, you do it in such a way that people are, are, are kicked out of the temple that don't get to experience God. And, and Jesus rails against that. He lifts up the woman at the well who's a Samaritan, the Roman centurion who has a sick daughter. Uh, the woman caught, and, and then there's a, there's a whole bunch of people who are, uh, let's call them inside outsiders. So they're Jewish, and they're part of the Jewish system. Maybe they even were good Jewish kids, and they went to ra- you know, rabbi school, and they did all these things. But then in their adult years, they kind of, you know, fell off. You know, or, or, or something happened to them where they were now unclean, the bleeding woman, the lepers, the adulterous woman. Think of, think of those stories if you know them. Jesus, every single time, he'll be in a crowd full of faithful people, people, insiders, and he'll be like, right there, her, her, you. Hey, hey, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you in a tree. I want you to come down. I want to come to your house today. No, the, the, uh, the outside, the inside's outsiders? Is that what I said? The inside outsiders. The people who are, quote, Jewish or, you know, they're supposed to be in the system, but the system moved them to the outskirts. Jesus was crazy about them. Why? Because God has a heart for the outsider. You know? Um, 
Yeah, Zacchaeus. Matthew, the tax collector, who wrote, he got to write one of the Gospels. Who writes, and then and, and see, this is, this is where I want to kind of transition a little bit. Like, like, who writes in Matthew 28, he says this. He's like, hey, Jesus, uh, he records Jesus saying like, hey, I'm leaving. Jesus has rose from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. And they're like, wait, wait, where are you going? You are our best example. Like, like the, the, this is, if we want this message to spread, why are you leaving? He's like, no, because I want you to do it. He says, I want, I want you to, to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, in Judea, and throughout the world. Like it's starting with Abraham. I wanted Abraham was the blessing. I want, I want to bless you, Abraham. And I'm going to, my, my focus is going to be on you and your people, but eventually I want you to be a blessing to the world. And Jesus is like, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the, uh, the fruition of what is going to happen. I want this to go everywhere. And you get to the book of Acts and you've got the Cornelius's and you've got Titus's. These are people outside the Jewish faith that are starting to come into them. Oh, and if Paul gets his way, all of the Gentiles... <laughs> Now, I don't know about you. I'm not Jewish. But it, it, to the point where he started a ball rolling that here we are today, 2,000 years later, probably most of us as Gentiles, worshiping a Jewish Messiah. Because that was the intent. That was the, the, the design and the mission from the beginning is I'm going, Jesus was going to, the Son of God was going to come and die for the world. And then his disciples were going to go tell the world about it. And again, Christians, if you're a Christian, we have a choice. If you have felt the goodness of that mercy, we are at a crossroads. We are like the lepers. And, and honestly, I, I do feel this way with faith sometimes. There are times with faith that I'm like, I read the Bible or I, I hang out with you guys and we pray together and, and I'm known and I'm cared for and I'm loved. I feel like a leper. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm putting out all this you know, jewelry and crowns and like, <laughs> you know, and we have a chance, a choice. What are we going to do with that information? Today is a day of good news. It's really interesting they use that phrase, right? Today is a day of good news. Because Jesus said, go into all the earth preaching what? The good news of the gospel. That God loves you. That he sent his son to die for you. And you can find life in him in Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond. And we have a choice. We can keep the plunder and the spoils to ourselves. We can keep doing church just like this, and, and, and we will. And we can enjoy each other's company, and we will. And we can, we can grow and, and mature and, and love God more year after year and love each other more year after year, and we will. Or we can, and, and not or, and, we can also become zealous and, and urgent like the lepers about telling others about that. And, and, and you know what I mean by that. You, you, like, we're not going to go preach from street corners because when's the last time that worked in Evergreen, Colorado? <laughs> we're just going to live our lives a little bit differently. I'm asking you to, to think about the influence that you have, the people that are surrounding you, I'm asking you to think about them a little bit differently. 
and allow that to maybe change the way that you live your life just a little bit differently and share the good news. Next year, you can be praying for this. Next year in January, I'm going to preach a series or a sermon on some tactics, some strategies, some things that we can do together to bring people in. But until then, be, just be praying. Here's the thing. Here's what I believe. If you're a Christian, there is some, I, 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 know, I know you guys pretty well. I don't know your extended you know, sphere of influence. I don't know your coworkers. I don't know your neighbors, but I do know this. There is somebody that you are connected to that God is going after that God, care, like God cares for all the people in your sphere of influence, but there are people that God is, is, is pursuing, that, that, that God is, is reaching out to, and, and, and he wants to partner with you. Who are those people? Who are those people? That are the, the, the mission, the vision of our church is to put the bottom rungs on the ladder for those who are turning to God. There are people in your sphere of influence that are turning to God, that are open to it, that are interested in it, what can you do, what can I do to bring them along to, to share this good news? Because here's the thing, this is what's so crazy. And guys, my own personal story is, is it, some of you guys know my personal story, but like growing up in the church, I just, I just assumed people outside the church hated the church or, or hated God or, or whatever. And then, and then all of a sudden I got to know them. And it turns out that most people, I've, most people uh, that you're hard pressed to find an atheist in Evergreen, Colorado. I know a couple and they're good friends of mine. But the, the, most people in Evergreen, Colorado are very open to spiritual things. They just don't think the church has much to offer. And you can't blame them. Why? Because they've been to church. <laughs> and it wasn't that great. And it wasn't, they weren't sure what, they, they felt like an outsider. And then no matter what they did to try to become an insider, like it just didn't work. And that's what breaks our heart as a church. That's why we exist as a church, is to put the bottom rungs on the ladder for those who are open to spiritual things. That, but just for whatever reason, maybe it's naivety on their part. Maybe it's a bad church experience on our part, regardless of the story. People are open to connecting with God, but just don't think that the church has much to offer. What if we could change their minds? What if we as lepers who have found something great in Jesus Christ could, could share with them, plead with them and say, hey, listen, I know that this is your experience. I know, but would you try it again? See, my story was in the last 10, 15 years, I started... Um, working with Young Life, which is an organization that, that puts the bottom rungs on the ladder for, for high school and middle school students. And I learned so much. That I learned that God has a heart for the outsider. And, and then I started to learn the heart of the average outside kid. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they just don't know. They don't know what they're missing. They have no idea that there's plunder over here. There's spoils to life over here. And we got to tell them about it. And we got to watch some of them come with us. And it was awesome. And then I started following different churches and church, different church leaders that are doing things differently. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if church could be a place? And what if church could be a place where people can come in and, and, and be a part of the church, belong even if they don't believe what we believe? 
And then when that happened, I started watching at the churches that I was a part of. I started watching people on the, the edges, the outsiders coming in. And they were like, yeah, I think we'll go. And that broke my heart. I'm like, no, come back. And that's why we started this church. To be built from the ground up with the person who doesn't go to church in mind. To tell the good news. Here's what I, how I want to close. And this is for the person that, that, that feels like an outsider. I, I want to give you an invitation to come in. To join us. To, to just come and see what this is all about. Maybe in your heart you've known like... Maybe in your heart you've known that, that, that there's something over there, like, 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 like you've believed in God your whole life, but like, like going deeper with, with God, what does that even look like? If that's you. I just invite you to come in and join us and see that the Lord is good. You know, for an outsider, maybe it's to lay down your resistance, your rebellion, to stop, to stop the rebellion, to stop going like this and try again. And come and enjoy the spoils with us. And for the insiders, keep going out with us. Keep, it, let's be the bottom rung. Like, like work with us to build a church that's, that's creating. Our, our goal is like, um, we've learned this a lot in the last couple of years. Like the importance of just creating spaces for people to have conversations. To have questions. That, that, that aren't sure what they believe about the Bible or Jesus or, or whatever. And for that to, like, imagine if that could happen in church. That would be amazing. Like, like, that should be where it happens. Help us building a, a, a church from the ground up with, with people who don't go to church in mind. And then lastly, for the insiders, would you allow your heart to break? Would you allow your heart to break for what breaks God's heart? And those are the lost sheep the lost son, the lost coin, those who are outside the flock, the ones he's willing to leave the 99, right? Luke 15. And go and get, because it's what breaks his heart, because God has a heart for the outsider. Would you be willing to let your heart break for people who are far from God? There's someone in your corner that God is drawing to himself. I believe that there's somebody in your life that, that God is drawing to himself right now. And I believe that you can be a part in helping them come near. Isn't that a good deep cut? It's good to just have this perspective of, of, of the whole Bible and just how much God is just reaching, reaching, reaching you, reaching, reaching uh, like he reached us. Will we join him in reaching out for others? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for, for moments like this. For me, I'm, I, this is for me. I'm, I thank you, Lord, for moments that just help me see as you see. When I open your word and I'm able to see your heart from start to finish, your heart for us, lost lepers. I pray that we would be a church that shines, uh, that, 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 that goes that scatters, that, that, that goes out and isn't afraid to go out into our community and love and care and meet people where they're at with their story and pray that their story is, is leading towards you. May we be that, Lord. We, we know you want that. May we be a church. We offer ourselves as a church 
to be that, to do that with you. And for the, the person who feels like an outsider this morning, I pray that they would feel, in these next couple songs, they would feel loved, they will feel cared for, and in the end, that they would come and see that you are good, whatever that means and whatever that looks like today. pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.